The Capital Ideas Podcast now has a new monthly edition hosted by Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin. Investment professionals reveal their best mentors, how they find their next great idea, and a few funny stories. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. American Funds Distributors, Inc. You know, it can be hard to see the challenges that people we work with every day are going through. Invisible struggles like stress and burnout, caregiving for a loved one, or being misunderstood. But insight, awareness, and empathy will help us better see the issues they're dealing with. And that can make us and our companies healthier, too. I'm Holly Robinson-Pete. Join us on The Visibility Gap, a new podcast presented by Cigna Healthcare. Download it wherever you get your podcasts. The countdown has begun. From May 14th to 16th, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Carter Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections, gain unique insights and uncover valuable opportunities in one of the world's most rapidly rising regions. Request your invite for this exclusive event at QatarEconomicForum.com. Let's get to our guest, Dong Chen, head of Asia Macroeconomic Research at Pictet Wealth Management. So a lot of investors are waiting on a Fed pivot. And so we had the Fed minutes, and there was a little bit of a change because now we understand that there's uh, the futures markets are suggesting a stronger likelihood of a 50 basis point hike coming up rather than 75. So you might interpret that as the beginning of a Fed pivot. So I think we needed to, to actually... Uh, try to define what is the Fed pivot. Well, we think that um, I mean, you really look at, need to look at the U.S. economy as a big picture. And at this point, we think that the labor market continue to be very, very strong. And uh, also, you're looking at the inflation numbers, even though they possibly have already picked, but still at over 8% kind of level. So at this juncture, I think it's very, very difficult for the Fed just to claim victory, saying mm -hmm. that we have got the mission accomplished. Mm -hmm. So we think there's still quite some amount of tightening to do going forward. So some accounts of tightening, including, I guess, the fact that you don't see them dialing back anytime soon. When that does happen, you know, what kind of move to mm -hmm. risk assets do we see? And I guess what kind of vulnerability could be yeah, we could question. be seeing in markets? Mm -hmm. Well, we think that you know the the, the first wave of uh, uh, massive sell-off in the market probably reflects the, the changing monetary conditions and so on, which had a big impact on the you know uh, corporate uh, valuations. But uh, at, at this moment, if you look at the corporate earnings, they're still holding up pretty well. So we we need to be very very careful uh, looking at you know corporate earnings going forward when the economy actually really show uh, showing signs of slowing down and actually have an impact on corporate earnings growth. Yeah, I like that question from Juliet because I think it's still up in the air once we get a pivot, um, whether the market will have already moved, you know, and you might actually go the other direction. It's, it's, uh, it's perilous sometimes in moving with these markets because we had all these Fed uh, speakers out there just talking about how tough the Fed still needs to be to get a handle on inflation. The S&P 500 ra rallied 9% since the last Fed meeting. So it, do it does set up as kind of interesting going forward. Just a very quick pivot to China because that's another big area of concern uh, in the markets. Uh, is China moving toward a second half recovery or still stumbling? Well, we think the worst time probably is over 
because the worst time, as we see it, is that when the, the entire city of Shanghai was locked down, that was back in you know April, June, uh, April to June, that kind of period. But at this point, we think the recovery is very, very bumpy because uh, you still have a lot of kind of arbitrary uh, restrictions uh, that can lead to disruption from time to time. And at the same time, mm -hmm. the situations in the property sector seem to get worse instead of better. So that's, wow. so, you know. So you're saying the second half recovery in China is stumbling, and that's pretty much on par with what we're seeing from a number of analysts. Goldman cutting their China GDP forecast to for this year to 3% from 3.3%. But longer term, tell us why you've downgraded your forecast for China over the next five years. Well, we think there's a, a couple of factors. The most important, fundamentally looking at the Chinese economy slowdown, that is because of changing, you know, Chinese demographic structure. And one direct implication of that is that, you know, the the younger population or the younger urban population that has been growing very, very fast over the past decades, now they are definitely slowing down. And we're seeing, you know, this means that a, a reduction in the housing demand in China, which has already shown up here, and uh, given on top of that, you have the government uh, regulation that really, really put a lot of pains in the sector. So we expect that the slowdown in property sector is going to be a main drag to uh, Chinese growth over the next few years. And another very important factor is increasing regulations mm -hmm. in a lot of new industries yeah. where previously those companies really growing without any boundary, without any constraint. Now they are facing a new set of constraints and we think their growth rate will be slowing down. So all those factors lead to our downgrade of longer term Chinese growth rate. If we take a, a very broad look at, at global growth going forward, particularly over longer term, you mentioned this great divergence uh, and this is a uh, a mismatch between debt and your ability to grow because of higher levels of inflation. Explain. Well, that I think is a very important thing that we, we really need to take a look at. Uh, on the one hand, you are saying that over the past decades, the governments are accumulating a lot of lot of debts. And a lot of those debts actually were supported by the ever decreasing interest rates so that the government actually can service those debts. But potentially, we're actually getting into a new regime with structurally higher inflation. And we're saying that central banks are going to push up the interest rate, even though they're going to pivot, as we just discussed earlier. But the longer term, we think that they're going to be higher than where we were you know, prior to the pandemic. And this is going to put a lot of trouble on some governments where you know they have high reliance on debt. And we, we just looking at the broader DM world, particularly some of the European countries, I think there's good examples. China is another example, and right? we're going to have to face it. So this, we think, will lead to potentially financial instability ahead. Energy costs or the energy crisis, if you want to put it that way, is something that we're focusing on very much globally too. And you're saying that the global economy could face a structural increase in the direct cost of energy. How do I guess governments uh, get around this? You know, what sort of further moves do we need to see in terms of carbon pricing? Well, of course, the carbon pricing is a market mechanism trying to correct this externality. But uh, again, related to what you said, you know, climate change is definitely something that the governments have to address. But to address that requires a huge amount of investment. And on top of that, as you mentioned, we have direct, uh, higher, you know, higher uh, direct cost of energies. All those actually tend to increase government spending 
especially when the government tried to subsidize the yeah. household sector, and that actually add to the problem we just Could discussed. Exacerbate it, yeah. So, so if if uh, higher levels of inflation uh, are going to um, lead to higher interest rates, and that's going to put a crimp on on countries that have high debt, it, it begs the question, what are the countries that have low debt that I can invest in over the next five years and sleep well at night? Uh, we're looking at a selected group of emerging markets. They are still on a, on at least on a relative basis, at Sunderfoot. Uh, uh, so, for example, you look at the India. Right? India still have a pretty low government debt to GDP ratio, and some other, you know, selected uh, EM countries in Southeast Asia. We think that, you know, for this region or this group of countries, probably at least on this regard, we think they are in a much better position. All right, great to have you with us. Dong Chen, Head of Asia Macroeconomic Research at Pick Day Wealth Management in our Hong Kong studio here on Bloomberg Daybreak Asia. The countdown has begun. This May, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg, held in conjunction with our official partners, the Qatar Ministry of Commerce and Industry and Media City Qatar and premier sponsor QNB. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections and gain unique insights. Learn more at CutterEconomicForum.com.